Welcome to the Council Connection. I am your host, Baby and Bix. And on today's episode, we're going to have Jim Deacon, Council from the Great State of Texas. We're also going to have Pomona Unified's Counseling Department of Jasmine Ariano, Nayeli Hernandez, Julia Morago, and Veronica Castellanos on as well. Also, focus on this podcast, we're going to talk about the deliver domain on an Ask a National Model, Housekeeping Items, and my final thought on Unexpected Praise. So if you listen to the podcast already, you know, this is where we say, let go. So you're looking at doing your comprehensive school council program in your building and you are looking at implementing the Ask a National Model. Well, Ask a recently changed from the green book to the red book. So folks have graduated from the program, probably recently graduated on the green book, third, third edition, which has been out for at least seven years. And now Ask has changed over to the red model with the blocks and the arrows and fancy fancy cover change to the fourth model. And I think it's going to be beneficial for for professional counselors to use this model to implement. And of course, you know you had the four domains. You have define, which used to be foundation. You have manage. Which of course was management, deliver, which was previously delivery, and assess, which was accountability. Ask a change these things over to have a more action verb feel in the role of the professional school counselor. And over the next few podcasts, we're gonna discuss each one and best practices for those in how you can implement some small things into your counseling program to make it more effective and aligned with ASCA's model, especially if you guys are thinking about doing ramp. Now this year for those applicants are going ramp, of course, you know you can, you're still to use the third edition. The next two years, if I remember correctly, you can use third or the fourth edition model. And in 2022, I could be I might be off my days 2022 on application is going straight to the fourth edition. So you have time to work out the kinks with the model and what it could do. Uh, on our podcast later on, we're going to have Pomona Unified and Jim Deacon. They're going to talk about how the new model has affected their comprehensive programs at their locations. Um, well, for me, I have the book. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to read the book. I read the changes that have, have happened in it. Um, Ask has done a, a great job of basically simplifying the changes in it without, for some folks that might not need the book, but it's it's good to get the book. Maybe you can talk to your um, student support services supervisor to get you the book so you don't have to worry about um, shelling out 45 bucks for the book. 
unless you are ask a member you want to spend about 35 36 but the main thing about this model is more action in the wording of, of the of the domains and the deliver model is the one we're going to discuss today you know the deliver models far as the method of implementing your program direct to students and the indirect services you provide the students of course direct services is your responsive services core curriculum small groups advisement and indirect services anything you do in collaboration or consultation with all stakeholders in your area with students now within the fourth edition you talk about counseling core curriculum which is guidance lesson which was guidance lessons um, instruction in group those things changed by the fact that the mindsets and behaviors are also embedded in this now it's making a focus on classroom large and small groups and individuality on those lessons where you implement those things to make sure that those those habits and mindsets are are being are being embedded in your lessons make sure you're hitting on those things when you're um, putting together your program for that year appraisal and advisement is was part, part of this individual student planning which is still direct services basically you're analyzing and assessing students abilities interests and skills to ask um, initials to make sure that those processes are in place and when you assess and appraise you're basically getting recommendations on what what student career career students should take or classes students might need to, to enroll in or get scheduled for their pathways or prepare themselves to go to college and you can still do those in small groups class settings or individual settings with students um, responsive services of course that's when a crisis or something a pop-up or a fire you need to put out that's still pretty much the same it's just been some things like crisis response has been reclassified as an indirect service and you because you're cla you're collaborating with adults to provide support for students in the aftermath of a crisis so you might have wondered where crisis response went to is in the considered now a indirect service it's still part of your 80 percent, but it's just gonna be indirect service um of course referrals consultation and collaboration that part is still the same as no major changes on that section now get into how to make your program more effective in the area of delivery some things i did this year um i made sure i was intentional with test talks or student advisement or whatever your building might want to call it I call it advisement because I'm, I'm giving advisement to students on far as where they are right now and where they were last year and where they need to be by the end of the year. I, I took a main focus to eighth grade because that is a gateway grade for our students going to high school. They need to know the Lexile, we're in Georgia, we have milestones, the grades from last year, as well as I'm giving a talk on promotional requirements for state of Georgia that students have to pass ill has to well not pass but have a developing learner score on the milestones for ELA and math 
and they also have to pass their four content areas in order to be promoted. Now, some districts might be a little bit different. It might be strict. It might be a little bit more lenient. For instance, a student will pass their four content areas and become a beginner learner on ELA or math and or math. And of course, you get to retake it before the end of the school year. And if you, you of course, you make up the gap, close the gap in that score, you go on high school, you don't. It just depend on the growth in the year that you made on the on the probes. We use Star 360 Screener. This year we're going into iMath. Also, start um, Accelerate Math 2.0. Any type of growth, and you also tie in attendance. If you show growth in those areas and your attendance is pretty good, you'll be administrator placed high school. If you didn't show any growth, you have to go to summer school and get remediated in that area. If you show growth during summer, summer school, you'll be placed in a target remediation group and you'll be taking some remediation um, classes in high school. That is a district requirement now, which I think is beneficial so that way you could give the foundational support to those students who are lacking it right now. Now, of course, if you have a beginning learner on the milestones and you fail one of your core courses, you that is a, a red flag for retention for students. And that can be a deterrent for students to to not do well in the milestones. It is what it is. I, ha I hate to say that, but it puts more of a focus on making sure that you're doing what you do in the classroom. You do the best you can. Try to show the growth and, and go from there. If you don't put the work in the class and you become a beginning learner and you fail one of your core classes, in addition to your attendance not meeting up to the district's requirements, then you're looking at being back in the eighth grade the next year. Now, some of the things that I did this year, I, as far as the delivery, the delivery model, I'm use, using Calendly this year. Not a lot of students have been scheduling appointments because our um, school is now a no cell phone zone. But students have been scheduling on their own in at home on their phones or on computers, or somebody do it in class on their, on, a, on the school's laptops and making appointments. Albeit, it's trying to get a schedule change in late September, which is not happening. But the one thing I like about it is sent to my school email, and it, it gives me an alert when it's time to meet with a student. I pull the student, let know the teacher know he has an appointment, so that keeps my why they are track as well as keeps me organized. Also shows responsibility for the student showing being showing them being proactive in understanding their status and what they want to do as far as schedule class. Had a couple students use the calendar also to talk about career career awareness. Some folks use this as a, um, a way to come in and say, hey, I need to get a work permit. Because you know they might they want to make sure that you know, they have they use that time to sort of go over the requirements of getting work permit and what they need to do with it. I say all this for my calendar scheduling with students is to keep nothing wrong with kids popping to say, Hey Mr. Vicks, how you doing? I just don't want the constant pop ins and the minor fires that slows the day down and changes my schedule and what I do. Unless of course, you know, it's a major crisis like ideation suicide or somebody's being hurt at home or somebody's trying to hurt them at home or they're trying to hurt somebody or hurt themselves. And 
I got to a point now as part of the deliver model, students are using this the appointment scheduler to to show maturity, to show growth, but also be proactive. And also, instead, some people, some students are using this to see the end in mind where they want to make sure they know their status. With the advisement piece I did with eighth grade, they they are shocked that wow, this is what I did on milestones, or wow, I need this is the requirement for eight for high school. Like, yeah. This is why I'm telling you this, and I tell them also, don't worry, you're going to see the, hear about this more in February with your parents. So your parents will know the requirements, so it won't just be word of mouth from us. They can actually hear it, and that's going to be a requirement that all parents show up. We're going to have two different sessions for them to come in and go over the requirements. So that way, everybody's on the same level playing field. Another part of the deliver model, of course, is when you're doing your core curriculum with small groups, you're taking, you're doing your pre and post test, doing your lesson plans, you're doing your milestones, behavior, tracking all this stuff. And of course, I am a staunch advocate for Scooter. This year, I was, I have the pleasure of being a Scooter amb ambassador, and I will be helping uh, display Scooter and show off what it can do as far as your council comprehensive program and things that can take place and that the ways that you can make enhance your program with Scooter and tracking your time and make your your program more comprehensive more streamlined and data collection but the deliver model it's not a lot of changes to it it's just more streamlined and more more nuts and bolts of what we're supposed to do so that way administrators can see a see a direct line of what our jobs are as counselors and they can get a better understanding of what a comprehensive program actually is and what our duties and responsibilities should look like like i said we're going to be going over the four domains over the next few weeks um we're right back with my good Twitter friend, Jim Deacon, after this. Welcome back to the Council Connection. I am your host, Fabian Vicks, and we have a great friend of mine, Jim Deacon, from the great state of Texas. Jim, how are you doing today? Uh, other than being a little bit hot, waiting for a cool front to come, we are doing great down here in Texas. Man, we're doing the same thing, man. It's been about—I think it's been hit a hundred every day this weekend. We had a hundred five on the index on think Thursday and Friday. It is not fun when you're doing bus duty. We you're not kidding. I got car duty out front, and yeah, it's not a whole lot of fun, you know. But you know, I think weathermen are probably the most people that get paid most for telling not telling the truth, other than probably politicians. But. <laughs> talk about the comprehensive program um get to know you a little bit for the, some of my viewers that that might not have listened to your podcast so tell us a little bit about yourself uh where you're from where you're at your, your background how long you've been education you know that type of thing 
Sure, we won't have to. I've been a school counselor here in Texas for 15 years. I've been in education for 29 years. Where I work is pretty much right smack dab in the middle of Texas. We're a little north of Austin in a little town called Belton. It's about an hour north of Austin, so we get all the Austin fun stuff, but we don't get to deal with all the traffic and all the commotion. In other words, brother, some of your viewers, listeners, uh, I'm about 45 minutes from Chip and Joanna Gaines's place up in Waco. So we're in a great place. This is where we chose to raise our kids. My wife uh, went to Baylor University a long time ago. I didn't go to Baylor. I went to another smaller school here in Texas. We settled in this area about 30 years ago and got a job with the school district. My wife's a speech and language pathologist, and I have been a school counselor for the last 15 years. Got two kids, both of them in college, so I'm trying to pay all the bills. Other than that, we're doing fantastic down here. That's great. Are you planning on going to Asker when it hits Texas in a couple of years? Yes, I am. I have that on the calendar. I'm thinking about. I was thinking about trying to go up this last year, but I didn't go, and I need to go. I've been going to a lot of regional conferences here, the Texas Counseling Association, some Google conferences that I've been going to, and uh, I'm going to be presenting in a couple of weeks at the Lone Star State School Counselors Association up in Dallas. So I've done a lot of, a lot of regional stuff, but I haven't been to Asker yet. That's one of my goals. Yeah, I have the. the pleasure of going the last two years luckily i turned in a proposal for my my county to pay for me and i've i've been spoiled so i'm if they're listening if they're gonna be listening to my podcast go ahead and send me again to seattle uh i'm trying to make sure i try to go to every possible conference especially if they're gonna defund it because i I exactly i don't have seattle is on our wish list of places for my wife and i to go once you know we're not tied down to a school district or whatever for the next few years so seattle's on the list california's on the list we've done the florida East Coast, and we're going to do more East Coast. We're going to, we're going to do some traveling here in the next few years, so we'll see. Okay, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, what is your why for you going to school counseling? What is that one more time? What is your why? My why is the kids that I deal with every single day. You know, I got into education a long time ago, and you know, you think you want to impact kids, and then you get into the grind of dealing with kids, but seeing them grow and mature over the course of time is why I've got into education. I have lost two students in, you know, as a teacher, I lost two students in from my classroom to, to unfortunate situations. And that kind of motivated me that I don't really want to lose another one over the unfortunate circumstances. You know, you have, you know, car wrecks and things like that and, and where kids come and kids go. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to try to do whatever I can. I don't want to lose another one on my watch. And so I just felt like it was important to try and impact as big a population as I can. And so, that's what I do with every single day. I try to just put out the fires and deal with stuff every single day and uh, make sure these kids can go from children to adults in a few years. And it's so much fun living in the same community for the last few years and to watch them grow up because now I have the students that I taught, they're bringing their kids back to middle school. And so I'm kind of seeing that circle and that connection, and it really is a lot of fun. So my why is the kids every single day. There's a lot of paperwork and administrative stuff that you do as a counselor, but my, you always got to focus on what your why is. Now, before we talk about this comprehensive program, I'm a, I'm a, I want to piggyback on your why. What has changed about students over the last, we'll say, when you first became a counselor into now? Well, I think that was a good question because you were going to talk about comprehensive school counseling and some other things. I think my job has changed dramatically. It used to be more college and career readiness and, you know, kids and schedules and more education stuff. Now we're dealing with so many more social and emotional issues and, uh, you know, we're putting out more behavior fires. We're seeing to see, I seem to see kids with more needs and more 
issues every single day and, and I'm spending more time being more of a psychologist than a behaviorist than I think sometimes of being like a college and career readiness counselor that you would imagine if you hear the word counselor. So, you know, my biggest issue that I seem to be dealing with this year is self-control is that our kids, once they get ramped up, they don't know how to regulate themselves. And so we're really dealing with a lot of emotional issues that we have in our building. We have a behavior support team that is on our campus. Uh, and so we seem to be dealing with a lot more social and emotional issues. I know like you are, the kids are bringing so many more uh, emotional issues into the classroom that first you got to get them safe and get them settled and then you can start teaching them. So the biggest change is I still do a lot of college and career readiness. In fact, we have some lessons going out this week uh, that we're going to do for the kids to try to start getting ready for that in, in middle school. But, you know, I spend a lot of time putting out fires and dealing with emotional issues, you know, how to settle down in class, how to act appropriately with a substitute teacher, all those things that they just can't regulate themselves. That seems to be, seems to be what I'm dealing with a lot this year. So it, it has changed dramatically, but it's been a gradual change. If I look back over 15 years, the change has been gradual, but it just seems like the, I'm doing a whole lot more social emotional stuff that i've done in the past now we're gonna go ahead and um, tie that into the deliver model of the ASCO model you know they changed it this summer to to basically action verbs and do you see any pros or cons that's going with it being a more action focused model now uh, yeah I, I don't see any pros and cons any way that you can communicate and get your voice across to the kids that's a good thing. You know, if, if it happens to be in a classroom and I'm teaching 25 kids, that's great. But how are you going to deliver some of this stuff to a larger audience in a different way? And this podcast is a different avenue, but you should use all the avenues that you have to be able to communicate with your kids. You know, at my middle school, we've been one-to-one -one with iPads since we opened in 2011. So all the kids have a device. And so some of the lessons that I present, I don't present them in person. I'm presenting them more online and they're going to a resource and, and being able to access a larger community seems to be something that I'm dealing with a lot more and trying to do that so kids can access my information or, or, or stuff not necessarily at that time at that moment when I'm in a classroom the face-to-face -face is always the most important and it always has the biggest impact but if you provide them with the resources and they be able to do that in advance it really is helping to be able to do that. I'm all for, I'm a classroom teacher. I was a classroom teacher for 13 years before I became a counselor. Being in the classroom, being in front of the classroom is not something that is uh, you know, foreign to me. And a lot of counselors don't, aren't school uh, teachers before they become counselors in the building. I understand how school works in classroom management. And so it is very comfortable for me to be in front of a classroom. And, and you know, I'll figure out any way that I can to, to get in front of a kids and start delivering the content that I need to deliver. In fact, I'm working on a lesson. I sent you some stuff on mindset that our kids used a year ago or so, and I hope that's a good resource for you in the future. And I'm working on dealing with our athletes more about mid conditioning and training. I'm starting a 10-week session on that this week with our 7th and 8th grade boy athletes to try and do that. So, you know, I'm trying to come up with ways that I can get in front of those kids and give them some message. I feel like I have a, uh, some tips to give them. And so for the ASCA model, any way that I can get in front of the kids, anything that I can use is going to be very, very helpful. So I'm all for, as a counselor, trying to get out of your out of your uh, office and in front of kids. So I'm all for it. I know you talked about Google a lot. I'm still, still going to take, take a time on the deliver model. And Did you get a chance to go to the Google conference in Colorado last week? No, I went to the, I'm, part, I'm on the board of directors for the Texas Google Summit. That's the te te tex, Texas for Text uh, website, and we put on a conference every single year. It is uh, 
uh, called the Texas Google Summit, and so it's usually in May every single year, so I've been going to that for the last few years. This Coming up in a couple of weeks, I'm meeting Angela Cleveland, author of 50 Tech Tips for School Counselors. She's coming down to Austin to talk about girls and code, and I'm going to go down there and meet her at the Apple Complex down here in Austin for a day of some training. So I haven't been to the Google Summit outside of Texas, but I've been to a lot of them around here. So anything I can do to become better and get more tools from my toolbox. That is that is cool. I, I I have that book and I read it and uh, I've read it. even though I use a lot of that stuff. There's still like two or three things and I got to have find a way to try to implement that. But you know we we like fire department. We put out so many fires, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know when I look at one of those books, I don't try to. Angela's a great. You know I have some conversations with her about coming down here to Austin and and conversa- and and you know you can't really rely on all fifty tech tips. You have to find four or five that fit what you're doing. And then use those. I love the delivery models. We talk about Nearpod and Flipgrid and some of the other ways that you're going to jazz up the lessons that you're going to do as a counselor because, you know, the kids are more interactive. And so your lessons have to become more interactive. And so books like that are great resources to do that. And, uh, you know, that's anything I can do to be able to do that. Okay. I only got two more questions for you. I'm going to get you off the line. Um, You ever thought about doing ramp since you've been a counselor? Doing what? Ramp. Uh, no, I just kind of, you know, I looked at counseling so much is I'm kind of tailored to the building that I need. You know, I, being a counselor for so long now, for 15 years, I'm more one of the, in more of a leadership capacity in my building. I, I'm not so much, you know, a first-year counselor or a second-year counselor. I'm going to have to be the one that people come to for answers, and, and uh, I kind of look at it more of a leadership role. So I've kind of tailored my building. I'm doing a little bit more administrative stuff, RTI, uh, behavior stuff. So I seem to be moving more into more administrative stuff than day-to-day counseling, although that's still part of my job, but it just seems like my role is changing a little bit. And so as a counselor, I think one of the things you do in your building to make it better is you fill in the cracks of everybody around you. You know, you, you might have strong administrators that are, are good in certain things, but they're not good in other things. And as a counselor, my job, I, I feel like, is to fill out those cracks. So, you know, I don't particularly follow all kinds of stuff. I try to do things that tailored to my building and follow the models that I've been given. Okay, uh, one more question. Um, what's the one thing that you wish you could change in our profession right now? Well, I think everybody talks about, they're talking about these kids and how much need they have, but it doesn't seem like to be, to be a lot of resources to be able to help them. And so, you know, I'm talking about, your, you look at your ASCA model, it's one, what, one to 250, something like that, for seeing kids and you know we're at one at about 400 in our building which i think is pretty good and there's other counselors that you listen to around the country and their caseload is so much larger how can you impact change or want to impact change if you're just constantly you know you don't have the time or the uh, the, uh, the mental energy to be able to do that so more counselors in the field as best we can i think counseling is going to change and i think it continues to change you have to be able to use data and information to be able to impact kids. And so you just can't see just, I'm just going to deal with the social and emotional issues of kids. you got to use all parts of it. So you have to make yourself worthwhile in your building and be able to do that. So you know, that's kind of why I started my podcast a year ago, and now I've gone to video and uh, trying to reach more people and, and do those things. We need more counselors in the field. I have, you know, like myself and my counseling partner, there's two of us in a building of 900. We have three teachers in our building that are currently going through counseling training in our area. So we've got some future counselors coming up, but we always need more. And so it's very, very hard sometimes in some districts to justify the social and emotional part of it. But I just think more counselors in the profession and this concept that, and I talked to this about Angela, 
the next thing is we need more counselors. And the kind of second part of that is I don't think counselors should shy away from information and technology and being able to use that. It's not social and emotional and the emotional well-being of kids. And then on one end, you have all this technology. Well, we've got to figure out how to to blend all that together and how to use that. And so that's kind of my emphasis here in the coming uh, years, the last few years that I have as a counselor. And uh, that's where I'm going. All right. Tell everybody uh, where we can find your podcast at. Okay, my podcast is called A Few Minutes with the Counselor. I started a year ago, and you happen to be one of the first people that would ever guest it on my show, so I'm happy to return the favor for you. It is on any uh, podcast site, Anchor, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. It's on Apple, uh, iTunes. I don't have it yet on uh, iHeartRadio podcast, but I'm working on that. So it's on uh, the, the best place to go is go to my website, www.tayhousecounselor.com. It has the audio version of my website and uh, my podcast, and I've gone to video. I've gone working on my ninth podcast, about a weekly episode. I've been started since about the 1st of August. Really enjoy it and uh, kind of go there. So just go to www.tayhousecounselor.com or look up a few minutes with the counselor or Tayhouse Counselor, and uh, that's the way you're going to be able to find me. All right, Jim, I really do appreciate you coming on my podcast today. I appreciate it, man. I love sharing my voice. You know, my, if you haven't noticed, I like to talk. And so anytime I get to be able to do that, I appreciate it. Anytime we can make it, you know, try to advocate and move forward with school counselors in the school building, I'm all for it. And uh, looking forward to spreading the word and hearing how I sound when you get this all edited and put together. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. You have a good one now. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. We'll be right back with more of the Council Connection after this. Welcome back to the Council Connection. I am your host, Fabian Vicks, and we have four special guests on the line for, with us right now from Pomona Un, uh, Unified in California. We have Jasmine Ariano, Julia Morangue, Nayeli Hernandez. I I'm, I'm, hope I'm saying your name correctly. Veronica Castellano. So, did I do okay with your name? Did I do okay with your name? Okay. Hello. Okay. How's everybody doing? Okay. Okay. Now, um, I understand. We're, doing great. we're just. Uh huh. Uh, we're attending the California um, School Counselors Conference here in Riverside right now. So definitely getting a lot of special development to take back to our site and implement and also share with our other school counselors at our district. Okay, Riverside, California, that's near Camp Pendleton, right? No, that's what. <laughs> uh, there's still about maybe an hour and a half from here. So. Okay. So, um, in any order, tell me a little bit of background for you guys in the school counseling. Like, what is your uh, bachelor and your master's in? And if you were in education before, or this is school counselor was your interest in education, that type of thing. Um, 
As for me, I have a concentration in Spanish by multicultural counseling. Um, uh, we work in school, uh, schools that are primarily, primarily Latinx students, so I felt that it was important to have that um, extra training to make sure that I'm servicing my students correctly. Uh, having grown up with a similar demographic of my students, I feel like it's a great way to um, also learn a little bit more of how my health experiences uh, can guide to help our current students. Um, well, hi, I'm, I'm Nayeli Hernandez, and um, I actually got my bachelor's degree in psychology, and um, I also had my master's in education counseling with the Spanish bilingual bicultural consultation. Jasmine and I actually went to the same uh, school for grad school, so that's kind of where, where we met and started collaborating together. Um, I feel like my big emphasis is to try to kind of like bridge the gap between my parents and students and um that's another reason why i kind of decided to get the concentration um because we feel the importance of working with that population especially because of the schools that we work at uh, we have a big latino population and um, my name is veronica castellano uh, i did my undergrad um in another state nebraska in behavioral science and uh, my master's at Azusa Pacific University with um, emphasis in school counseling and CPS credentials. This is my 23rd year in education in different, um, you know, different titles. Uh, and this is my fifth as a school counselor with Pomona Unified. And Pomona is very similar to the same, demo well, similar to the demographics that I grew up in having, um, not remembering my own school counselor, um, and being a little bit more present for our students uh, in Pomona and having that connection for um, social emotional, and college and career, um, and just being available to the students as I don't remember my counselor who they Okay, we're ready for the next question. Okay, well, that's I'll make sure everybody uh, got on and introduced themselves. I'll just make sure, okay, that's, that's, that's my fault. Now, we, we talked about your education, your why, and I, I, let me ask this then. How do you see counseling, uh, I'm going to start with um, Veronica. How do you see counseling now versus 10 years ago? Oh, okay, yeah. So just as, as I had mentioned, I don't remember my school counselor in high school. I know I remember where the office was, but I really don't remember meeting my counselor. So I think now it's, we're, we're very much more present with students in the classroom and with staff and faculty to where um, we're, we're visible. Um, and uh, we now have more of a title presence and have a lot more responsibilities um, as far as not just guiding students, but we actually have, you know, programs and lessons, um, action plans, you know, filled with lessons that um, we use across the whole district in a comprehensive manner. Uh, so all of our students within our district have the same lessons. So there's a very big difference because I never remember my comfort coming in to any classroom. Um, so that's, to me, that's the way I see it very different. 
Anybody else could jump in on that as well. switched over to the fourth edition this summer uh what are your takeaways from it? like what's a hooray and a hmm or you know pro and con for them switching over to the model that they have now with the fourth edition especially going to action verbs and their um and the standards um i think it's a great move um right now at my site we're currently uh transitioning to implementing everything with the new fourth edition model I think all the moves that we made from the third edition to the fourth edition are just ways to do better implementation in our schools. Uh, it creates really a foundation for what school counseling is, and the standards really set that um, forward where it, it shows that we do have standards to be abide by. A lot of times I feel that the, you know, the challenge we meet um, with teachers and other school staff is that they believe that we don't have standards to be abide by, where they have standards. For example, here in California, we have our common core standards that um, all our sports have to uh, abide by, and that's how they implement their curriculum. Now, you know, being towards a more um, past the standards or, um, you know, our mindsets and behaviors, uh, having that model fit and becoming really strong um, really, I feel like, puts us where we, we do have something that backs up our, our programs and our schools and so-called preferences. So I think it's a great stride, um, you know, and all the changes that have been made um, really do um, make it a lot simpler for us to, um, implement a program compared to the third edition. The third edition was great. It was the foundation that we needed as a school counseling program and profession overall. But strive towards the fourth edition, a lot of the changes that were made on our forms really are more helpful in the organization and implementation of the three-tier model. So, um, you know, like the whole uh, MCMPSS or multi-tier, multi-domain systems of support, this fourth edition model really helps support, um, you know, the implementation of that in our school. Now, um, we know we know that one. I'm gonna go off a little bit from um, comprehensive program. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But right now, the hot the hot topic right now is more mental health and social emotional learning. And some people look at it as we need we need to teach these teach our kids social emotional strategies and coping skills and conflict resolution. Where we are technically, we already been doing that for at least 10, 20 years. What are some things that you guys are, or you ladies, excuse me, are doing in your building to help with the social emotional learning with your students? Uh, so I might say, um, I'm a, I'm a middle 
using social emotional learning where we're implementing it um, at the three tier system. So our first tier, all students are getting curriculum. So we're implementing a social science curriculum for middle schoolers, and uh, we're trying to change that culture at the school. And I think the social emotional, the foundation to really um, entice our students is first working on the culture of the school. So all our students are getting um, six to eight, are getting 12 to 15 lessons on social emotional in hopes of getting that culture on our campus um, and giving them the skills that they need. Just like you said, you know, there's a big focus on like the endless skills that they need to be successful. Um, and I think it's very important that, you know, it does start at an earlier age because right now we feel like we're working at a foundational level um, at the middle school. So um, I know that our elementary teams are also working on building that social emotional curriculum at elementary level. So it starts earlier. So we are implementing early on to where when they get to us at the middle school, we're just, um, you know, reinforcing those skills that are being taught to them at the elementary level. Um, I think uh, we still have some progress to be made uh, to have it continue at the high school level, um, where I feel like we do need a little bit more focus. Um, but I think it's little by little. Um, it is a process to get the social-emotional learning system into the classroom. Um, and I know at a lot of times that's where it gets a little bit difficult is getting that buy-in in our schools to let us go into the classroom and see that um, you know, past minutes, instructional minutes to implement that. Anybody else want to jump in with that or want to add into it? Um, I, I did want to add to um, the fact that we do have uh, school counselors and we um, are growing because about five years ago, elementary in our district didn't have counselors and we're adding much more um, direct services to our students, and we do have the ACLU of Southern California, you know, helping us in this uh, case or this matter for um, our students. Uh, the students are actually fighting to have school counselors instead of cops, you know, and um, we just learned of their new movement, um, school counselors, not cops, um, and really using um, LCAP funds for school counselors instead of, you know, um, we're the SROs, um, SRO officers on campus and actually in, implementing this uh, for the counseling and adding more school counselors to our program. And this is in California. Um, I'm just talking from our different experience with Pomona Unified that we have to support from AC, um, ACLU Southern California. And just to you know, clarify a little bit, um, when we talk about LCAP uh, funds, those are funds that are given to us, uh, or the state funding that's given um, to uh, individual, uh, to all districts in our community, and the funding is to help um, support our high-risk students. So those are our low uh, socioeconomic status students, our foster youth, and our homeless students. Thank you, Jasmine. Now, you talk about social emotional going through a um, three-tier process, and what things are you seeing when your guys are on, when you ladies are on the two, tier two and tier three level that are working and some things that you wish you could tweak to make it better to bring the students back down to tier one? Can, can you repeat the question, please? We kind of had a hard time hearing you. Okay, I apologize. I was asking about your tier two and three strategies that you are using that have been successful to take the students back down to tier one. That's so, uh, one of the things that um, I like that for the middle school that, you know, we're doing is we are implementing first tier two uh, groups 
small groups, and those are our students uh, when we look at the data that, um, you know, we are implementing tier one um, in class instruction, but the, the students need a little bit more help um, based on our data, based on, um, you know, referrals, uh, based on attendance, that we are forming small groups, and we're providing them a smaller uh, setting to help and more extensive uh, skills for them and focus the services to hopefully get on the skills to be able to go back to year one. Um, as for our tier three, we do, uh, and our district have a school mental health, um, you know, department. So we do have MSTs and um, LTCPs uh, that uh, help us connect the students to uh, therapy services. So, and mental health services and family support services. So we'll give out, we'll send out our referral for students who need even more um, intensive services and support. So, um, so those are our tier three. We do refer them out so they can get services. And um, I think that helps a lot of bringing back down to tier two and even uh, tier one. Uh, and it's also in, in, you know, in collaboration with our PBIS team, which is a positive behavior system for support. Um, uh, most of our counselors do work hand in hand with them in order to provide those supports to us while being the best down to us here one services um, and be more preventative. Okay. You said PBIS. Are, what, what ways are you guys using um far as to track in the data as far as PBIS? Are you guys using Class Dojo, PBIS Rewards, Swiss? Um, what what tools are you guys? You do use Swiss. Okay. Yes, yeah, Swiss. So that tracks all of our low-level referrals and our office um, referrals. Um, so um, we're able to look at that data and then the categories of that data to see how we're going to also uh, focus and distribute uh, all our um, services to make sure that we're really doing um, data-focused services for our students and intervention. Now, ne- neither one of you ladies are the PBIS coach in your school, are you? No, 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 no. we are not. <laughs> okay. That would be a little bit too much. We actually are part of the PBIS team uh, in tier two, which is when the counseling comes into play for PBS. Okay. But we are part of the committee, we are not the coach. And I think that would be a bit much for us to handle at this point. But we do have multiple sites. Uh, God bless y'all. Y'all are the luckiest women I've ever met in my life. Wow. So we're not even gonna talk about me we're not even gonna talk about me being the coach, so we're not even gonna get on that right now. So um, now we're gonna go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, we actually have somebody here from the ACLU. Um, so I would like if it's okay to introduce uh, him, or he can introduce himself and kind of just say a few words. Yes, cool. Go ahead. Okay. Here you go. So hey, uh, my name is Amir Woodick. I'm a policy attorney with the ACLU, and uh, myself and our colleagues have been working with actually promoted for over a year. Uh, in advocating for more counselors um, and for the funds to be prioritized for counselors. And we're just excited to see that it's actually happening. And as you can hear and see, the counselors there are doing great work. So we are in full support of this. Yeah, when, when, I need you to come to Bibb County in Georgia and see if we could get three counselors in middle school, in all our middle schools, and we could get extra counseling in high school. I need you to come on to Georgia, man, and try to see if you can sweet talk these folks. Man, get some fun there. Actually, I'm coming to Georgia next Friday. Atlanta. <laughs> oh. well, I just need you. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might need you make it, make it, make a drive down to my way and see if you can help out. So, so you're working with the council as far as getting getting more counselors and advocating. And what was the di- most difficult thing you saw 
in your in the process? Well, you know, we just had the same excuses that there's not enough funds, right? That, and we know there's not enough funds to really support students like what we need. But in Pomona, what we saw specifically is they had the funds and they were going to spend them on something else instead of counselors. So, you know, when we have counselors going to multiple elementary schools and different things, and we're trying to add additional police when, you know, there's no research, no evidence that shows that adding police to schools actually increases anything safety or student outcome. And here in California, um, schools with high needs are entitled to more money. So at the Pomona school board meeting, a student herself said, you know, she doesn't understand how a police officer would help her earn, earn English. And because some of the schools had more English learners, they were entitled to more funds, which meant they're entitled to more counselors. But what the district was trying to do is say, well, this entitled to more police. And, you know, you just have to shift that thinking. So that's one of the biggest challenges, just shifting that thinking to understand, you know, that students, student behavior can be responded to differently and it can be supported instead of criminalized. Gotcha. Because yeah, I know um, there was a study I think they did in Colorado where they added more school counselors. I think the academic achievement rose a tremendous amount. I think it was a couple of years ago. They added, they um, the school board added more counselors instead of resource officers and just seeing a lot of academic growth from all levels. So I appreciate all the work you're doing in California. And then, like I say, if you have any inkling to come to Macon, Georgia and just drop by one of our board meetings, just say, hey, we need about another 12 counselors. Um, yeah, no, I'll your account. Is this 478 number your number? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah, I'll take a picture of it right now. Follow up. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you dropping in. I, I mean, I love guests. The more, the more the merrier. Give, give a different perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, now let me get back to the ladies here. On, um, We're going to go back to the comprehensive program. Are, have you guys ever thought about doing round? Okay. So we have a couple of minutes just to talk about that. Um, so uh, this is Jasmine at the middle school. Um, we are actually implementing a full comprehensive uh, counseling model right now at our site. And our hope is to apply for RAMP with the fourth edition in, uh, for the October 15, 2020 application. So right now we're actually in the process of making sure and following up that everything is, you know, following our fourth edition model. Our students are getting... Uh, the services that they need to for a comprehensive program. I will not lie, it's a lot of work. Um, we we started over uh, started over the summer. I actually have uh, Miss Marlene Popera here with me. She is my co-counselor. Um, Hello. So we've been uh, we worked over the summer. We talked about over the summer making a switch and making sure we had a fully comprehensive program that was focused on data. Um, and with evidence-based to make sure that we really want to see a growth and we want to support our students at our site. Um, there is a very big need, um, social and emotional need. Uh, so over the summer, we we did do a lot of planning. And, uh, you know, when we when we went, uh, went to the ASTA conference and they switched us to the fourth edition model, I was like, okay, now we got to go back to step one and see what changes we need to make in our program. And they weren't big changes. They are actually a lot more helpful and kind of simplify a lot of things that the third edition, like I said, uh, made a little extra, a couple extra steps. Uh, so right now we're actually in the process and we're hoping to apply next October and hopefully um, after 2021 we will be there um, as a RAM school. Um, 
but it, it has been a process. It, it is, um, but it is very rewarding at the same time to be, we go home exhausted, but we go home exhausted knowing that we're giving it our all for our students and they're getting the support that they really do deserve in our school. Yeah, um, I really appreciate the time you guys took out of the conference to, to pop in my podcast. I don't want to cut any more time until your last session. Um, Jasmine, Julia, Nayeli, and Veronica, I appreciate you, you spending some uh, spending a few moments with me on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Well, hopefully, I'll see you guys in Seattle next year. Sounds great. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with the Council Connection in a moment. This is the part of the show where we go over some housekeeping items. We, Of course, we can be followed on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and of course... Apple Podcasts. I recommend Apple Podcasts because I love Apple. And Apple, if you're listening, you know I like that new MacBook Pro or a new iPad Pro. You want to just drop it off to my podcast so I can continue recording my podcast or doing schoolwork. You know, whatever you do, if anybody works for Apple listen to listen to this podcast, can you help me out? Also, you know, Parent Portal as a way for all stakeholders to connect to my podcast. You can go to the my link on anchor.fm forward slash Fabian dash Vix. Click on the send a message and drop a message to us and we'll air it for you and we'll ask answer the question for you. The pros will just just ask a question. No question is off limits unless it's something that is really off limits. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Fade the PSC. You can also follow me on my website, FadeTheCounselor.Weebly.com. A couple of my guests you can also follow. You can follow Miss Ariano underscore PUSD. Also at PUSD Moraga. And at PUSD Castellanos, those are the three councils that were from Pomona United, Unified, excuse me, in California. You can also follow Jim Deacon at at J D E E K. That's J Deke. He also has a podcast called A Few Minutes with the Counselor. He has taken his podcast to another level as far as being a vlog, so a vlogcast. So he's He's still doing audio, but it's transforming to more video now. So I think it's pretty cool he's doing video. I'm more comfortable with audio because that means if I do video, it means I have to actually put on clothes and look presentable every week. I'd rather just sit in pajamas and record and interview that way. I want to look presentable on my, on the weekends. Jim, I, I love his podcast. Check it out. He's also on Spotify as well. Um take a listen to him he's a pretty good counselor he's been in the game for a long time um we'll be right back with unexpected praise in my final thought be right back 
Fave's final thought. So, I'm sitting here while I'm recording this still. I have one question to ask myself. I've been asking myself for the last week. How in the world did we become a PBIS operational school? So, I gave away the ending. But, let's go back a week. A week and a day. It was on Thursday, September 26th. About 1 15 in the afternoon. And I'm walking to school, talking to the kids in the hallway. Get a phone call from secretary on my phone my cell phone she's like hey Mr. Big Stop here still want to see you I'm thinking like oh lord what done happened what I done did so I made it to the front office luckily I was on 7th grade floor so I was right above you know the front office so I made my way downstairs to the front office I'm like she's in the office like she's in there she looked at me and she said okay Vix so I got Calandra on the phone I'm like Calandra what I, what I happened now Calandra's our district coordinator for PBIS and for those that might not know what PBIS is, that's Positive Behavior Intervention and Supports. It is a framework, not an intervention. It's a whole framework of utilizing positive behaviors to reinforce positive behavior. Put it, put it plainly. Um, had a brain fart there. I'm the, and you heard the podcast before, I'm a PBIS coach in my school as well. So professional school counselor and this is my fourth year at Appling, where I'm at now. And, of course, we are a urban school. We are 97% African-American. And, you know, all the stigmas that go along with, with African-American students, and especially in the high poverty poverty need area we are almost 50% of the population in making is is poor or living below the means of what they should have so those are barriers right there we haven't got to the mental health or the lack of academic sustainability with our students or we even got to cognitive dysfunction with students we haven't got another day yet we just basically just we just basically that just right there on the tail end of well the front end of the, the baseline demographics of our school but I've digressed that's not why we're here so Dr. Griff still called me in the office and I said what I done did <laughs> she looked at me crazy like what you talking about I got Calandra on the phone I ain't Calandra tell me again she said Dr. Griffin Stewart you guys are now a PBIS operational school we both looked at each other crazy like she lying and for those that might not know what PBIS and the levels of distinction you have installing emerging operational and distinguish now that if you're installing it means you just started implementing PBIS framework in your building our district is a PBIS district so 
the goal of our district, of course, to have all schools operational status. So my first year, um, 16, we were still installing. They were installing. So my first year, we ended up being a emergency school. We did a few things to make sure everybody knows the data. You know, that's part of PBIS. Everybody in the building from your custodian to your principal has seen, at least seen the data and is aware of it. So the second year, my third year, I took it to the program to a different level. Remember my previous podcast, I did not know I was doing PBIS. I've heard of it, but never been a part of the, the PBIS team or planning or data collection. So my first year was a big learning curve as far as handling PBIS. And for those that understand PBIS, is a big job. It really can be a job by itself as a coach. And I learned all the pieces of PBIS from data collection, recorder, even timekeeper. Because you've got to keep time in your meetings so that way meetings won't get away from you. People run off on tangents and and that can happen if you don't have a good timekeeper and you don't have a set agenda for your, your meetings and you don't have the right people on your team. I'm not saying we didn't have the right people on the team. It just, you know, just have a, you gotta have a structured setting for your meetings where you gotta have a rhythm in how the meeting's gonna roll and all those roles on the team are filled. So, back to this unexpected phrase. This is my fourth year there. Out of all things I've been through the last three years, um, becoming a counselor, the good and bad, the ugly, the students saying you do too much, and parents not participating in their children's academic endeavors, and dealing with adults and that type of stuff. Not just adults in the building, but adults in general as stakeholders for the kids. Just hearing the news that we are an operational school and a 98% African American school, and we had a number of referrals last year. So, the state of Georgia, the Georgia Department of Education, have changed the formula on how to calculate levels of recognition for schools. And we looked at the data, and we had a decrease from four years ago, which they do a baseline from four years previous of the school year that you're in. So we go back to 2018-19, that's with the past school year. You go back four years, that'd be 2014-15 for us. And, uh, and there was about, I want to say, 1,200 referrals, I think, that year. And this year, they changed the formula on where they look at level three through five referrals. So we didn't have a lot of those. So we almost had maybe 20% of that number, which means our... All of our data is high as far as students with zero to one ODRs, office discipline referrals, and 270 referrals that are level three or higher. And things we're doing with PBIS in the classroom, little things like that. And I was amazed on the work that not just our team did. Keep in mind, our team changed, you know, team makeup changes over the year because folks might leave school or retire or come out of education 
but we had a decent team, but at the same time, a lot of the dudes' responsibility fell on me because the buck stopped with me and everybody else retired with a lot of stuff, and I put a lot of a lot of pressure on myself to make sure the team was running, and it got to a point where I wanted to quit. I want not just quit being the PBIS coach. It got to a point where I wanted to quit being a counselor. I want you to, to listen. Listen to what I just said. Just being a PBIS coach made me want to quit being a counselor. Because I let this one thing almost stress me to a point where I didn't feel comfortable doing it or I didn't, I was just tired. Keep in mind, on this past year, this past school year, podcast talk about self-care you know my dad died and my best friend's daughter died a month later my best friend died back in July last school year um, body shut down um, went to a coma and died and also tag along to my wife lost her grandmother in April and lost her grandfather in June a week before Father's Day and she lost her stepdad a couple weeks ago. And her brother was put in the hospital fear of a stroke. His blood pressure was 200 over 150 or something like that. Um, thank goodness he's okay. Now he's just dealing with some Bell's palsy right now. So anything on, on the left side of his ear is loud. Even if it's at a whisper, it's loud and just ringing. It's just been a tough year, and my breaking point was I came to a meeting, I told my team, I came back to work too soon after my dad died, and I knew I was taking on too much, and I came back too soon, and Swiss was community, Swiss is the um, site we use for putting referrals now it's integrated with the campus and it was communicating I was behind by like 130 referrals put in the infocamp put in the Swiss from the campus and still trying to be a coach and deal with the changes in the building and I'm not blaming none of that it was just tough and I didn't realize that I have a great job at the same time. I was tired, I was frustrated, I was angry, I was hurt, I was demoralized, I was shaken to my core. But then you get a, a call to the office to get a big honor for a school that we have a lot of challenges now. I'm not saying we the best school ever. We have a lot of challenges we deal with. But just getting an unexpected praise like that lets you know that what the work that your help that you are assisting in doing now. We can't do it by ourselves. We're not we can't take credit for every little thing. 
things have to fall in place for things to happen. But for us to become a operational school goes back to the team that was there and assisted with it. No matter what their roles were or whatever they did or didn't do, it was still the team, good and bad. You work together as a team, you go up as a team, you go down as a team. I just thank them for being on the team and I hate that we lost half our team to to other schools or retirement and I think this year we have a great team the one thing I made sure I, I did in the last year and this year made sure I was inclusive in inviting any and everybody to being part of the team they can make one meeting every three months we still have a core amount of team core team that can go to to meetings and that's there consistently and that's the main part of PBI you still have your core there um, I, I would say that's me uh, Dr. Stuart Jones and Ms. Thompson AP she, she's AP now she was instructional coach um, two years ago and then split two of those duties last year Davis those three those four people right there have are, have been the core that are still there it's part of the core and they're still there you know, a couple people left retirement some went on to promotions and some just want to move on to a different a different challenge in, in another school but the unexpected praise on last Thursday just took me back and made, just made, let me know that the work that that I was doing is not going in vain. The state of Georgia saw the work that Applin is doing and we got recognized for it. And I just so, so shocked and still happy that we are recognized for it. We're not a perfect school but we're working on perfection every day. Just that unexpected praise just helped me think I could I could do this job, not just as a PBIS coach but as a counselor, because that right there counseled to me that that unexpected praise might have kept me in counseling because I just didn't know if I want to be a counselor anymore. I just tired, I was frustrated, I was I was hurt I said all this a few minutes ago I didn't know if I wanted to be a counselor especially after my dad passed I was just my mind was all over the place so the unexpected praise possibly could have changed my career path We thank you for listening to my podcast. You know, follow us on Twitter. Go to various platforms. And I'm out.